Heavenly Father, we just, as always, want to thank you once again for our Lord and Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your character and nature, that you've adopted us as your children. We thank you for your word. We, we thank you also for the body of Christ. We ask today that you would have the Holy Spirit guide in each and every one of us to be able to concentrate and receive the things in your word that you've prepared for us this morning. We also want to pray, Father, for the suffering in the body of Christ. We also want to pray for evangelism and the spreading of the gospel. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Before we get started with the message, a uh, couple of reminders. Next, I mean, um, in August 22nd to the 30th, we will be taking our summer vacation. Yay. August 22nd through the 30th. Um, that means that that particular week, there'll be no services on the Thursday evening, August 25th, nor will there be a Sunday service on August 28th. So again, August 22nd through the 30th. Also, next Sunday, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper at the end of service. Also, would ask that you would keep our missionaries in prayer, um, as well as the congregations. And, and of course, in fact, any any of the persecuted church in particular, though, let's pray for the people of Trinidad. Kingsley just got back from there. The Christians in Nigeria who are under a lot of persecution right now. Pakistan with Fazl John. India with Pastor Adams, Indonesia with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship and the Mills family. You can find um, all all of those um, links to those different ministries on our website. Okay, let's get started this morning. We will be in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Title of today's message is very beginning of our passage. Now a certain man was sick. Now a certain man was sick. John 11, starting in verse 1. John 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Martha who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, last week we saw that in chapter 11, Jesus will perform the greatest miracle of all. He's going to raise a man named Lazarus that we see named here in verse 1. He's going to raise him from the dead after he'd been dead for four days. Now, we also saw last week that the raising of Lazarus from the dead is the seventh and final miracle in John. And it's also the greatest miracle that John records. It's uh, also, remember, a very public event. Many, many people witnessed that. Many, many more people heard about it secondhand from the people that originally witnessed it. We saw last week also how, uh, and we're going to see this as we move through that, um, in this chapter, the love of Jesus is really on display. His love for his friends, love for his disciples, his love most of all for his father. And today we're going to see that uh, in this chapter, perhaps more so than any other one up that we've come across to date, we're going to see the, the mingling, the mixing, as it were, or at least the, rev, the joint revelation of Jesus Christ, both in his humanity and his deity. All right. So I'll point that out to you as we go along today and in, and in, and, and in future weeks when we continue in chapter 11. Yeah. For those of you that aren't local, we are fixing a, some, a technical difficulty on our screen. So I guess that'll work now. Hopefully I won't complain. I tried, you know, Mark. I thought it was my computer screen, so I was fiddling with the sound, but didn't do, make any difference. All right. So sorry for the interruption. Again, uh, just, just recounting what we saw last week, where we saw that 
um, this again, that this chapter, perhaps more than any that we've come to so far, brings out both the humanity and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So again, let's begin now in verse one. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. I want to tell you a little bit about Bethany. First of all, it's really close to Jerusalem. It's only about two miles away. Um, you, that's recorded in John 11, verse 18. Now, the, the thing about that is that he's on his way. He's very close, but he's not yet in Jerusalem. And he performs his greatest miracle outside of Jerusalem. Nevertheless, the word spreads quickly. And, and, and the leaders in Jerusalem hear all about it. And they also see the response of the people. Many, many people would believe after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, it was near the Mount of Olives, according to Mark's gospel. And let's go see that now. Please turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Now, this is not the same Bethany that we saw at the end of chapter 10. Now, there's a Bethany in Judea, all right, on the west side of the Jordan River. I'm going to show you a map in a minute. All right. Bethany of Judea, yep, that's where we are now. But there's also Bethany beyond the Jordan, which is on, on the east side. I'll show you a map of that. So they're different. And the reason I bring that out is because right now in the story, Jesus is in Bethany beyond the Jordan. And uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus live in Bethany in Judea. So I want to make sure that's not a confusion. All right. So, again, um, let's read Mark 11.1 1 to see um, about the fact that Bethany is very near the Mount of Olives, and it's basically what it says. Mark 11, 1, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. So again, Bethany is about two miles away from Jerusalem, and it's in the shadow of the Mount of Olives. And so that's why I want to show you this map right now. And let me get a better color. And Mark, this does show up um, on on uh, Skype. Okay, good. Okay, so let me orient you. Okay, now remember I mentioned Bethany beyond the Jordan. All right, I want to show you where it is. Okay, it's somewhere in this vicinity, on this on this side of the. Actually, it's probably not perfect, but it's right. It's pretty much at the border between Perea, which is in brown here. And Judea, which is in green. Okay, so this is where Jesus is now. Bethany beyond the Jordan. Now, we have another Bethany, which is right here. And, and this is the Bethany of Judea. Got a problem? Okay. This is the Bethany of Judea, where uh, at this point and all the time, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary live. Okay, so you can see there's some distance between the two. Okay. Now, we just we saw it's about two miles from Jerusalem, and you can see it is pretty close. And it's really, again, in the shadow of the Mount of Olives, just so you get an orientation. All of these places are significant either here or later on, because after he's in Bethany, he's going to retreat up to Ephraim, which is up here. OK, and then he's going to come back on his way to Jerusalem. So that gives you some idea of the geography and uh Right now, you can't follow anything, so I hope you were following it when I was saying it, because now we get a lot of scribbly lines. But in any event, I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see that, um, that, that uh, again, Bethany's location and also the fact that it's um, about 10 miles away from where Jesus is right now. All right. Back in John 11, let's go back there now. And we're going to notice something about how John describes this village. Okay, back in John 11, John 11, 1. Now, a certain man was sick. When he says that, John is basically introducing Lazarus. There was a certain man, he was sick, and here's his name, Lazarus of Bethany. Of course, now after Bethany, he describes something else about that, that town. Bethany is the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, that's really interesting because apparently at this point in time, Martha and Mary were more well-known than Lazarus. Okay? 
That, of course, is going to change once Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But in any event, they're more prominent at this point. And that's really interesting. We're going to see another passage. Um, and I want to go there now, actually, in, in the Gospel of Luke. It's the, it's the only other time we see Martha and Mary mentioned together in the Gospel. So let's look at that. Let's go um, to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. All right. So again, this is the second place that we can have in the Gospels where Martha and Mary are mentioned together. It's in the Gospel of Luke. So let's take a look at that passage. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, this is Jesus and his disciples. He entered a village and a a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Luke doesn't tell us here, but of course, that village is Bethany. Okay, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. It's kind of interesting that you order the son of God to do you know, your bidding at this point, but... We'll leave that aside because that's not our subject today. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. I'm I'm just going to let everybody absorb that a little bit in case that in some manner reminds you of somebody very close to you that you spend 24 hours a day with. All right. Worry for nothing, right? But only one thing is necessary. But Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Well, what's the one thing that is necessary? The one thing that is necessary is for us to worship and learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one thing. If you put that in place, everything else will fall from that, will, will, will come out of that. Um, just an aside, because I love to give you aside from time to time. I watched a, a, a special on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's basically going behind the curtain of social media and telling you what's really going on and how much manipulation is going on. All right. Now, you can look at that and get and get freaked out because, you know, it's like they they know things about you that you haven't thought about in a while and they're manipulating you. And so, you know, you may think you have all the information, but you're really only getting the information that some model of yourself thinks will draw you to buy stuff. Okay, why am I saying that? Because if you're not grounded in the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and what the word of God has to say, you're going to be ungrounded. You're going to be untethered and you're going to be in this morass of lies and you're not going to know how to get out. It's a simple way to get out. It's just to orient yourself to the person of Christ and his word. Okay. And that's what Mary is doing here, verse 42. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, one of the things about Luke's story here is that Lazarus isn't mentioned. He probably was present, but he wasn't mentioned. Why? Because in this particular um, incident, what Luke is bringing out is what the Lord is giving as priorities. He's teaching both of those women what his what he's the proper priorities are. All right. One other thing I want to notice is that um, notice that uh, where Mary is. Okay. Look at verse thirty nine. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to His word. Seated at the Lord's feet and listening to His word. Okay, let's go back now to John chapter 11, our passage this morning. And we're going to continue in verse 2. John chapter 11, verse 2. Okay, it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Okay, so we have Lazarus sick. By the way, of the first six verses in chapter 11, five of them mention that Lazarus is sick. Okay, we'll see that. We'll see more of that next week. 
So Lazarus is sick. The, the Beth, Bethany is where he lives. It's the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And now the, the John highlights Mary. He says, it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Again, it was the Mary of Martha and Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, here we have Mary featured, as it were, above her sister Martha, even. Okay, so she's now the center of what John is talking about. And he's talking about an incident where Mary is going to anoint the feet of the Lord with ointment. Okay, so again, verse 2, it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, we're in in chapter 11 where John makes reference to this. But in chapter 12, he actually documents the episode. So we're going to go see that now. Please turn to chapter 12. Just go forward to chapter 12, verse 1. This is a subsequent visit Jesus makes to Bethany after he raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay, and then goes up to Ephraim, if you remember that on the map. Okay, and he comes, he's coming back now, because now he's on his way to Jerusalem, where, of course, he'll meet his death. But before that, he goes back, and he actually there's a supper given for the Lord Jesus Christ, where Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead, was, eat, was seated and eating. Okay, John 12, 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, getting really, really close now, the last week, before Jesus is going to the cross, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Once again, Martha is serving. That seems to be what she's... And by the way, that points out there's obviously nothing wrong with serving, right? Let's, it's, it's actually the worrying and the distraction that's the problem with Martha. Serving is beautiful, all right? We need people, we need more of that, actually. Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Imagine if you hadn't seen the miracle, but you'd heard about it, and you're invited to this meal, and there he is. A man who'd been in the grave for four years is sitting across from you eating his lasagna, or whatever they served that day. I don't think it was lasagna. Romans, I don't think, never mind. So, so that's, that's an incredible scene, and that's going to be, by the way, the final, final straw, because after that, more and more people are going to learn about the fact that Lazarus was raised from the dead. All right, so let's read our passage now and continue in it. Um, we're, in this, we're in John 12, verses 1 to 8. Let's, try, let's now look at verse 3. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So Martha was doing what she had done before, very you know, preparing and serving the meal, and Mary's doing what she had done before, seated at the feet of the Lord, worshiping her him. Martha then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? By the way, that was about a year's wage for a laborer. That's an expensive perfume. You know, if uh, if my daughter bought that perfume, I'd be saying, what are you thinking? I hope that's going to last you 10 years. Very expensive. That, that shows us something about this family, by the way, that they could spend all that money, again, a year's wage for a laborer. I mean, today, what is that? Probably at least $50,000. I don't know. A lot of money, okay? And what does she do? She, she, she uses all of it. She's, she's very extravagant in her expression of worship of the Lord. Again, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And that's an interesting, by the way, I don't want to get too political, but it's interesting. There's many people, there's, there's two um, 
kind of people that scoundrels use when they want to get something that they want. Okay, the poor and children. Just the pet's little wisdom, no, no charge for that. But in any event, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Once again, when we have Martha and Mary, Jesus is teaching a lesson. And it's really the, a variation on the same lesson that he had taught the pride when he was with Martha and Mary you know, before we saw in Luke. Basically, it's get your priorities straight. I mean, and, and the, the, the number one priority is the Lord. Okay. So at this point, the Passover is only six days away. Jesus would then leave Bethany the next morning. He'd be headed for Jerusalem. And this week will end with his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, Matthew and Mark also record this story of Mary anointing the Lord during the week of Passover. Matthew and Mark both record it. So three out of the four gospel writers record this event of Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, anointing the Lord's feet with oil. Okay. Let's go see the one in Matthew at this time. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 6. Matthew 26, verse 6. Again, this is at the same time. This is the same week where Jesus is going to Jerusalem, where he's going to die. Okay, it's just before the Passover. It's, it's the same event. We do get some other details. This is one of the reasons why it is good to compare the Gospels when they both record the same event. Because typically, there will be some information that one of them will give that the other ones didn't. Okay, so it kind of rounds, at least rounds off your understanding of a particular event or even a particular person. Matthew 26, 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, who lives in Bethany, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, what do we learn here? Well, one of the things we learn here that we didn't see in, in John is whose home they were at. When they had this meal, you, you would assume that it was at Martha and Mary's home, unless you then also checked out the other passage. And that here we see it's a home of a leper by the name of Simon. Now, we don't know, but it could very well be a leper that Jesus healed. One of the reasons that could very well be is that lepers were isolated, right? If They, they wouldn't be in the habit of having a, a home where they invite people in. All right, where, they'd be, where he'd be handing out food to people, you know, leprosy. So it's probably somebody. We're not told that, so we can't be 100% sure. But I want, to keep, I want you to keep that in mind. This is, we now know the home, the host of the meal where, where Lazarus was dining. And, and Mary came in and anointed the feet of the Lord. We see that in verse 7. A woman, now we know from the Gospel of John who this woman is, Mary. Again, a reason to compare passages, because if you just read Matthew, it wouldn't necessarily be obvious to you who this woman was. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. See, that's that 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 links perfectly with John. Right. Three hundred denarii is very costly. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and they said, why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. That's exactly what, what Judas said in the, in the account that John gives. Now, here it's interesting. We learned something else that he was the spokesman, but all the disciples were indignant. Interesting, right? They, 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 they were, we're going to see in the Gospel of John today that the disciples were more often than not on the wrong side of things when it came to Jesus and what he said and what he did. Okay. Verse 9, verse 10, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. But you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. But when she poured this perfume on my body, 
She did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. So now you can see why it is that John highlights her even over and above her sister, because Jesus tells us that because of what she has done here, the gospel, wherever it's preached, will include what this woman had done. And of course, that came to be true because we're reading the gospel of Matthew. It's also in Mark. It's also in John. Okay. So again, this woman is, in fact, Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Now, there is another story of a woman coming in and anointing the Lord, and this time his feet, and also she's wiping up, she's washing his feet with her tears. On the surface, that seems, well, that's got to be the same one too, right? And it turns out that it's in Luke, okay, who doesn't record this particular event. So you might think, well, this is the same one. It's just this is Luke's version of it. Now, the problem with that is that the woman who anoints the Lord's feet in Luke 7 is a prostitute, a sinner. So now we're so now the question comes up, you know, people wonder this. Well, was the woman in Matthew 26 also the prostitute in Luke 7? So we're going to clear that up this morning. We'll clear up some questions a lot of people have. Let's go to Luke now and read the account that he gives. As we read this, I want you to concentrate and see if you can answer that question yourself. Is this woman that now we're going to read about in Luke chapter 7 the same woman that Matthew describes in chapter 26 and that John describes in chapter 12 of the Gospel of John? Verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Do you notice anything that's different here from the account that Matthew gave? Huh? No, no, he will be. Yeah, it was a different host. Right? Pharisee versus a leper. That's the first thing. Verse 37. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. We're going to stop there, but if you were to continue to read, you would, you would understand that Jesus could read minds because actually, notice the Pharisee said it to himself, but Jesus heard it, right? Because he's, he's got omniscience, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you right off, this is not the same event as the one in John 12 and Matthew 36, In other words, this woman, the sinner, in Luke 7, is not Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. There are at least three differences between this anointing and the one in John chapter 12. First, the anointings occurred at different times. Okay, This one in Luke happened before Jesus fed the 5,000. Okay, Now, in the Gospel of John, that happened in chapter 6 or in chapter 11. So it, it occurred... A, probably a good bit before Jesus fed the 5,000. What that means is that the supper in John 12 occurred at least nine months later, probably more. So they occurred at different times. Also, as we've already mentioned, the hosts were different. One a Pharisee, the other a leper. The other thing, though, is that they occurred in different places. The anointing in Luke 7 that we just read, where it was a prostitute who came in and anointed him, that occurred in Galilee. It was probably in the city of Nain. It was in a city, because he mentions a city, probably in Nain, Galilee. Now, is Bethany in Galilee? Yes. It is interesting, right? That's part of the good point. That's part of the reason why people get confused about this. It's because, yes, he, Simon, of course, was a very popular name, right? Simon Peter. 
Um, so, yes, but that is another thing people look at and say, gee, maybe this is the same woman. So, again, this event occurred in a different place in Galilee, probably the city of Nain, as earlier we see in Chapter 7. Well, where did the, uh, the uh, anointing of the feet that Mary did occur? What was the location? Was it in Galilee? No, it was in Bethany of Judea. So here's three differences, right? Different times, different hosts, different places. Okay, so I hope I've convinced you that Mary of Mother and Mary is not a prostitute. All right, some people wonder, all right? Um, some people also wonder, by the way, if she was Mary Magdalene. You probably heard that. Right. Some people say that, well, you know, they get really confused. They say we think Mary of Martha and Mary was also Mary Magdalene and also a prostitute, which is an interesting combination, because as we're going to see, there's three different Marys people. We don't know the name of of the of the prostitute. All right. So the question then now is, OK, are either of these two Mary Magdalene? And the answer is no. All right. For one thing, OK, Mary Magdalene herself was not a prostitute. A lot of people think that. You know, if, you, if you saw Jesus Christ superstar, you would think that, right? She's not. All right. What happened to her? What, what's the one fact we know before um, we come across her um, later on? Okay. One fact we do know is that the Lord cast out seven demons from her. That's, as it were, Mary Magdalene's claim to fame, if you would put it that way. By the way, from there forward, she followed him everywhere he went. Okay, And and she would be, actually, we'll see this too. Um, no, we won't see it. I'll just mention it to you, that she would, all four gospel writers, place Mary Magdalene both at the cross, where only a few people were, with followers of Jesus, and at the empty tomb. Okay, that is Mary Magdalene. Okay, she witnessed both his death and his resurrection. And she was the first person that Jesus appeared to after he was happy rose from the dead. That's all Mary Magdalene. But she wasn't Martha and Mary Mary. She wasn't a prostitute. Okay. The Lord cast out seven demons from her. But you know what? That is not the same thing as being a prostitute. We get confused, right? I mean, it wasn't her fault that she had seven demons in her. Okay. And there's no record that as part of her demonic possession, she was being a prostitute. OK, but people put those things together. I want you to make sure you understand that that's not true. OK, also, unlike unlike um, Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, Mary Magdalene did not live in Judea, but in Galilee. OK. Magdalene, by the way, we call Mary Magdalene. That's because where she comes from. She comes from a small town named Magdala. It is between Capernaum and Tiberias. If you remember, Capernaum was the uh, center of Jesus' activity when he was in Galilee. Okay, that's a very different place from Bethany of Judea. Okay, well now let's return to our story this morning in John, in John chapter eleven. John chapter eleven. We've seen, we've learned a lot about this family, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now we're going to go forward with the narrative and see what happens in the story. See, so far, it's been John setting the scene and telling us about the people. In verse 3, we're going to see the first action, if you were, of, of this narrative in chapter 11. John eleven three. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. What is this telling us? Well, one of the things, the very important thing that this tells us about Jesus is that he's human in every way we are, except sin. A lot of people like to kind of pigeonhole the different Gospels, and they'll say John is about Jesus as the Son of God. And that clearly is something that's highlighted in the Gospel of John. And they'll say that Matthew is for the Jews, and that's certainly you can see why they would say that in Matthew and so forth. They say that if you want to see the humanity of Jesus, you have to go to the Gospel of Luke, because that's the Gospel of humanity. Well, that's a generalization that doesn't really hold water once you get into the details, particularly of John, because there's, a, there's information in John that clearly says Jesus was human. This is one of those things. 
You know, Jesus is human now in every way except sin. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to be human? Well, it means to have emotions. It means to have thoughts. It means to feel pain. It means to get tired. It means to have friendships. Okay, all of those things were true about Jesus. Here we see friendship and love. Now, this is this is not God's love for the whole world. In this case, it's Jesus, the human love for a good friend. All right. He loved his dear friend, Lazarus. He loved him in, in much as you and I would love our friends. If you think about your closest friend, the one who's been by you, no matter what, when everyone else left, that, that person was there, supports you, um, cares about you. Um, when you when you may not talk to them or see them for months or even years, but when you do, it's like you never left. You only have a few of those friends in this world. Well, Lazarus was one of those friends for Jesus and vice versa. So his love for her, for him, was very much the way you and I would also love their friends because he was human. He had tender, close, loving relationships with several people in his life. What does John call himself in the Gospel of John? The disciple whom Jesus loved, right? What does that mean? Well, it means he had 12 apostles, but there was one of them for whom he had a special affection. Now, that's not true of God, right? He's not a respecter of persons, but Jesus has human friendships, intimate relationships, close, loving relationships with several people in his life. Now, notice in verse 3 that Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus. Okay, that's an interesting way of, of, of saying it. What does it mean? It means they didn't talk to him directly. And no, it wasn't a text message. Some people these days wonder about that. Not really. Okay. So, but they sent word to him. Now, we already saw on our map this morning that there was some distance between where Jesus was and we're in the village of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Remember that? So the way, only way you could get word in the ancient world to somebody at a distance was to send a messenger. Send a messenger. And that's what Martha and Mary did. <laughs> now, a messenger had to travel from Bethany, near Jer- Jerusalem, and Judea to... <coughs> I'm sorry. A messenger had to travel, sorry, from... This is backwards, okay? From Bethany beyond... No, it is correct. That's right. They're in messenger. Okay, so Martha Mary, Bethany of Judea, sending a messenger over to Jesus who was in Bethany beyond the Jordan. In other words, had to cross the Jordan River. Let's go back to our map map this morning. Okay. Okay, so again, here is a pen color that I don't see anymore. Let me go back. Okay, once again, here's Bethany. Okay, that's of Judea, near Jerusalem. Jesus at this time is somewhere in here. Bethany beyond the Jordan. They had to send a messenger here. They probably sent him along the road to Jericho for up. This is actually the way you needed to go back then and then cross the Jordan here and come down. So it was a, it was probably about a 10-mile um, journey for the messenger to get there. Now, in those days, they could probably do three miles an hour. Okay, so it wasn't a forever distance, but it was enough that it took some time. Um, and and as a matter of fact, we know from the message that Lazarus is still alive when his sisters sent their messenger with the news of his illness when they sent him. Okay, that doesn't mean he was alive either when. When the messenger arrived at Jesus's location or when he went back. okay. but when they sent him, clearly he was still alive. They didn't say Lazarus, your dear friend is dead, but rather sick. Okay, let's look at verse four now. Look at verse four. When Jesus heard this, heard that his friend Lazarus was sick, the one that he loved, he heard that. And, And notice what happened. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Again, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified by it. 
While verse 3, as we saw today, features the humanity of Jesus, verse 4 features his deity. In other words, we have both his humanity and his deity back to back. Verse 3 is his affection and love for Lazarus. Verse 4, we're going to see two features of his deity in just a minute. We're going to first of all see, notice that, notice that in verse 4, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. And he declares that it's not going to end in death. Now, that's certainly not what Martha and Mary thought, right? They, they thought, and he was deathly ill, as we would put it. But Jesus saw the future. Well, that's not human. That's supernatural to be able to do that. And then, then the next part, but for the glory of God, so that who? The Son of God may be glorified by it. In other words, he's calling himself the Son of God. So clearly in verse 4, it features the deity of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, the humanity of Jesus Christ. They're side by side in chapter 11. You can't miss it. It's a great picture of the fact that Jesus is both man and God, right? That the word became flesh, became one person. And yet there's features that are expressed from or, or real, revealed um, from both his humanity and, and, and his deity. And we see this clearly here in John 11, verses 3 to 4. Okay. So why do we say it's his deity again? He knows what's going to happen in the future. But again, more important than that, he refers to himself as the son of God. And as we've already seen, this is a title of deity. Okay. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of God may be glorified by it. Here, what is he saying? Well, Lazarus had a dreadful illness, physical illness. He was about to die. But what Jesus is saying here is that this particular sickness will provide an opportunity for God to be glorified. And this time, God in turn shares his glory with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I hope this reminds you of what we saw in chapter 9, the prior miracle that Jesus performed giving sight to the man born blind. Let's take a look at that now. John chapter 9, verse 1. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God. But the Son of God will be glorified by it. Verse Chapter 9, verse 1 now. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither, neither that, that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Again, a, a dreadful physical illness or handicap is used by God in his plan to bring glory to him. Here, it's just God, okay? In John 11, it's going to be the, the Father and the Son together. There's a, there's a progression here where more and more what's happening is as it gets closer to Jesus going to the cross, there's more and more emphasis on the fact that both the Father and the Son, Jesus, are going to share glory now. As we get closer to the cross, that becomes more and more clear here in the miracle. And as we go forward um, in, in, in what Jesus is going to say about what it, the significance of him dying on the cross. OK, now, there, of course, there are lots of differences, too, between this miracle in chapter nine and the one in chapter 11. Many differences. But here, let's focus on some things they have in common. First of all, Jesus, in both cases, by the power of God turns a great curse into a great blessing. In the case of the man born blind, being born blind is a great curse. Being healed of your blindness is a great blessing. Seeing that Jesus is the Messiah is an even greater blessing. So here, a great curse turns into a great blessing. Well, the same thing is going to happen in chapter 11 with Lazarus. Obviously, death is the ultimate curse, humanly speaking. And what's going to happen? Jesus is going to turn that curse into an even more incredible blessing. First of all, he comes from death, goes from death to life. And also, this is going to glorify both the Father and the Son and lead many people to faith. 
in Christ. They turn the curse into a blessing. Both miracles, as we've seen, give glory to God the Father in an increasingly tremendous way. Okay, it's certainly miraculous and glorifying to God that that uh, that his son would bring back a man. I mean, bring back the sight to a man born blind, but even more so that he would raise somebody from the dead after that person had been dead for four days. Okay, let's go back to John chapter 11, verse four. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. See, in chapter 9, God God the Father was glorified. Here in chapter 11, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead after four days, God the Father has ordained things that here now with this miracle, the Son would also be glorified. That's something new, as I mentioned. But Jesus says something else here, and this is where we're going to end today. He's going to say something that was bound to be misunderstood by the people who heard it. Again, he's he's going to say something now that's bound to be misinterpreted by the people who heard it. It's natural. What does he say? This sickness is not to end in death. Now, if you had a doctor tell you that, what would you think? You're sitting there, you think you're going to die, and the doctor says, this sickness isn't going to end in death. You're going to think, well, I'm going to live, right? I'm not going to die. I'm sure, I'm sure that that's uh, how whoever heard that interpreted it. Now, who heard it? Well, John doesn't tell us the audience, okay? He doesn't, he, he just, you know, if you look all the way back to the beginning, he doesn't identify um, who was there when he said those words, Right. So he said, he said in verse three, the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God. We're not told who was hearing this when he said it. But we can surmise. Right. I mean, for one thing, it's very likely that his disciples heard it. Very likely that they heard it. Of course, by this time, they had built a really good track record of misunderstanding things that Jesus said to them, okay? So that, that's not really a, a surprise, and we're going to see that later. In addition, though, this message may very well have reached the ears of Martha and Mary. Because if he's hearing the message and he's replying right away, the messenger was there, if nobody else, right? He was saying this in the presence of the messenger. Now, what did the messenger do after he delivers his message? Goes back, Right? In other words, uh, usually if you get a, a UPS package, right, they deliver it to you and they go back in their truck, right? They don't stay around for dinner and drinks and, you know, it's just not common that a messenger would do that. goes back, okay? Maybe you, maybe you guys have such a great relationship there. You guys are talking about maybe incidents that happen with your UPS driver. I don't know. I don't want to. Jack, you want to know? I don't want to know. <laughs> just teasing, ladies. Um, so, yeah, so, they, so this messenger delivers the message. The friend you love is sick, and he's going to go back. But but the, the custom in those days was to there be a reply, right? It's kind of like their way of writing a letter only in real time or getting a text and responding to it right? in today's way of thinking of things. So, so I'm sure that whatever Jesus said, the messenger heard and took back. Now, he may not have gotten it right. That's often a problem with messengers and so forth. But surely he would have gotten across the idea that this sickness is not to end in death. Martha, Mary, I have great news. Lazarus isn't going to die, right? The one you sent us to to give this message told us that. I don't know how he knows that, but he says that he's not going to die. That You wanted to know what the what this man said and what he's going to do about Lazarus. He's saying he's going he's to live. Lazarus, even though he's deathly ill, would get better, Right? I mean, one can safely assume that's how both the disciples and the sisters and the messenger took what Jesus said. But, of course, we know because we've read the book. He doesn't recover. Lazarus would soon be dead. Yet. This sickness would not end in death. Now, let me show you the difference here. OK, what they heard was this sickness is not to end in death. 
Okay. What Jesus really meant was this sickness is not to end with death. Jesus is saying that although he would die, that would not be the end of the story. Okay. And we know why. This sickness is going to end with a resurrection. In other words, he's setting up the miracle that he's going to perform. If Lazarus had recovered and Jesus showed up there, he could have maybe taken credit for the illness going away. But, you know, no one would have really seen that exactly as a miracle. Right. But if Lazarus dies and he's furthermore dead for four days before Jesus arrives, that's an amazing miracle that brings glory to God. That's the kind of thing that would cause people to, to pay attention and believe in Jesus, you see, for the glory of God and now the glory of Jesus Christ himself. And that's exactly what we're going to see as we go forward. This sickness will not end in death, but will end in resurrection. Well, I'm going to give you a little treat today. I'm going to end early. Is that OK with everybody? All right. No, it's not OK. All right. Well, will you, I'll give you a private lesson, Josh, Josh after this is done. So. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you've provided for us in this life, especially salvation. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, once again. Father, we ask that you would continue to provide us with insight into your word as we continue to gather together, as we continue during the week to read the Bible. And we ask, Father, that, um, that more people would join us on Thursday evenings if they can. We also, again, want to pray this morning for the persecuted church. We want to pray for all the ministries that, that are, we feature and that are we consider to be um, sister or brother ministries to us. We thank you, Father, for um, all the blessings you've given us. Ask that you would help us to share those blessings when we can. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, that's it. Join us again Thursday. And uh, hope you have a great Sunday and we'll uh, pick things up in the book Prophet Isaiah on Thursday.